Sarah is it Obeha? Welcome to the Village Oak Tree for December 27, 2023. I'm Terrence O'Donnell, back to your village with more news from the outside world. <coughs> Excuse me. Come sit with me. In a, normally, I would say come sit with me to the Village Oak Tree, but as it's cold and wet outside, I'm going to invite you into the pub, give you a bit of a pint and maybe a cup of tea, whatever it is you want. And we'll sit around and uh, I'll tell you about the news of the world and an editorial about something special. So I do go on a break at the end of all the news stories. I've created a short advertisement for my podcast and a website for you to listen to while I wet my whistle a little bit. So I've got a bunch of news stories for you today. Some you know of, maybe, maybe not. And coming up in the second half, I talk about humanity and greed and, and the capitalists as we cross over into 2024. So let me start off with my news stories. The first story is always my stories are somewhat a few days behind here. Some of these you might know about. My first one is called Chilling Effect. People expressing pro-Palestinian views censured, suspended from work and school. Employers, institutions alert to individuals supporting Palestinians in Israel-Hamas war, CBC has learned. This from Bristi Basu in CBC News. I got this late last week. So it's becoming a thing around the world, getting sacked or punished for somehow supporting the Palestinians in a ceasefire. So is freedom of speech starting to become a lost civil right in Western countries? It seems that the Israeli lobby is having a dire effect on the right to express solidarity for Palestine around the world. So how did the world let this happen? Or at least some of it anyway. The Irish don't seem to have this problem. Well, sort of, kind of. I mean, <laughs> Fianna Fail and Fine Gael are starting to push back a little bit against Sinn Féin because they know elections are coming up here in 2024. So this may be an issue. But, well, we'll talk about more like that as the stories come out. Another story from Canada. Northern Saskatoon residents concerned about supplies as ice roads delayed by warm winter. Unseasonably warm weather might make communities like Fond du Lac and Hatchet Lake have to fly in supplies. And this is from Pradyush Dial and Dial in CBC News. So it's a story about global warming starting to change cultures around the world. Saskatoon, Canada is having trouble resupplying their northern towns without their annual ice roads in midwinter. It's starting to look like some cultural norms are going to have to change with the new climate. And then, you know, one of the articles, one of the things they talk about in the article is how expensive it is to fly stuff into these people. Um, you know, without the, without the ice roads in the wintertime, they're a couple of months worth of having troubles getting supplies to them. After years of drought and wells running dry, this Nova Scotia community is looking to the sea, bearing to, to test a wave-powered desalinization system designed by a Quebec company by Maura Donovan in CBC News. So it's a good news climate change story. A Quebec company now has a better way to operate a desalinization plant that won't hurt marine life with too much salt. Good for the ocean and good for the people of Nova Scotia dealing with intermittent droughts due to climate change. They haven't got it up and running yet, but it's looking pretty good. And if it works well there, they may could expand it to other places. In a major shift, Northwest tribes, not U.S. officials, will control salmon recovery funds. 
And this I got from Tony Schick in Oregon Public Broadcasting in cooperation with ProPublica. So it is good news article, environmental articles about how the U.S. government has allowed First Nations people in the Northwest to control the funding to help bring back the salmon, taking control away from the energy corporations. Anyone who's been paying attention to the environmental news in, in the last couple of years would have learned that governments around the world are learning that the best stewards of the land and the forest are the local indigenous tribes, just as the ones, you know, such as the ones in North and South America, something we need more of in the future around the world. And the same thing goes for Africa. They're finding out that the African people over there for generations have been good stewards of the land, if only they just let them do it. Company faces backlash over cruel plans to farm and slaughter millions of octopuses. It should not be allowed, unquote, by Rick Kasmer in the cooldown. So this plan to humanely slaughter millions of farm-grown octopuses is raising a lot of concern over animal cruelty and sustainability. All to make millions to feed the world's hungry people. This is on par with the millions of other fish, cows, pigs, chickens, and other life that humans seem to think they need to eat. A little is okay, but not farm grown by the millions, especially when they want to kill them with ice cubes. I mean, that's just cruel. They say it's humane, but they, they plan to do it anyway. So, you know, slaughtering millions of octopuses to feed people, I don't know, just seems wrong somehow. <coughs> Excuse me. So this one is kind of a political one, a little bit, from the United States. Biden warms that... Biden pardons thousands of people convicted of marijuana possessions. Move is latest in a round of executive clemencies meant to rectify racial disparities in the justice system. This one from The Guardian. This will win a few votes, but by and large, it will help the prison overcrowding and racial disparity in a little, in, you know, a little bit. It's good for you, Joe Biden. You're finally doing something for the people. Not that the GOP is going to appreciate it that much. I'm sure they're going to figure a way to turn it around and and point in your direction as something bad. So here's another article from Texas. Seattle Hospital sues Texas Attorney General who saw records of trans minors by Kim Belware, Molly Hennessy Fisk, Timothy Bella, and Ben Brash in Washington Post. So it seems that Texas has decided they are the law of the land, and that includes states beyond its borders. They want access to private health records from out-of-state providers on Texas citizens. And this hospital is suing and said no. Now what will Paxton do in his quest to control every aspect of Texas lives? Well, that's just it. In this case, it's up to a jury to decide. Chances are they're going to side on, on Seattle's side uh, in this case. Ohio grand jury to decide whether to charge a woman who miscarried for abuse of a corpse. Brittany Watts' water broke prematurely and she miscarried at home when she went to the hospital and nurse called the police. And this is from Carter Sherman in The Guardian. A young woman in Ohio miscarried at 21 weeks and five days and didn't bring the fetus to a morgue and may now be charged for abuse of a corpse. She went to the local hospital when her water broke and where a nurse reported to the authorities. Since there's no clear laws in place on what exactly to do, something like this happens, she may be charged by these conservative nut jobs and spend up to a year in jail for having a miscarriage at home. These are pretty scary people in these very red states. Chinese firm barred from Vanuatu log exports after landowner complaints by Kirsten Needham, and this come out of Reuters.com. So it's a story from the South Pacific Islands 
that shows that the world is just what will likely happen if you get into any business ventures with the People's Republic of China. The Chinese will set up shop and take whatever they want eventually. This has been proven case over case in all over Asia and now the South Pacific Islands. From their government-sanctioned fishing fleet to illegal rosewood harvesting here in Vanuatu. And they want everyone to think they are a benevolent country. Not. China criticizes U.S. sanctions on Russia's Arctic LNG-2 project by Liz Lee and Andrew Haley in Reuters. The issue is whether the U.S. is imposing more of its imperialism against Russia, and China in this case. And there is an intended side issue of maybe shutting down a fossil fuel operation in the Arctic over climate issues. Or is it just more of the U.S. flexing its imperialistic muscles again? Well, as of this story come out, Japan, one of the project members of this deal, has backed out because of all the controversy. So now maybe China and Russia are maybe coming up a little short here. I don't know. But it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Obviously, for climate reasons, we don't want them people up there messing with the Arctic and ruining the environment up there. Um, now, whether the United States is doing it on that basis or are they just doing it because they don't like China and Russia, that remains to be seen. Anti-China push in U.S. Midwest, a symptom of Biden's dilemma. Fierce public backlash in Michigan and Illinois over proposed Chinese electric vehicle battery factories highlights a conundrum for the Biden administration. The potential economic benefits are in tension with U.S. national security concerns and the political importance of Midwestern states in next year's election. This one came out of the South China Morning Post by Akhil Ramesh. Biden has a problem with voters from America's heartland. We had a problem with this even before all this broke out. Farmers and ranchers don't want anything to do with the Chinese, period. They have been scared away by the GOP, who are doing everything they can to scare voters into voting for them. They apparently don't want, they apparently don't care about jobs and benefits, or for what could be new battery factories. Only the Chinese are the new boogeyman, and not to be trusted. And that's, that's the thing. GOP wants to scare people into voting for them, and they really don't care about the people all that much, unless they're voting. Other than that, they don't care about their livelihoods, how, how they, they can make money and all that. No, don't matter. Spain's Madrid region partially revokes trans-LGBTQ rights laws by David Latona in Reuters. So Madrid is stepping back with these new reforms to some old laws passed in 2016. No more punishments for workplace gender discrimination or beatings that don't physically hurt someone. So if you slap someone and, and Mark didn't remain... It's now legal there, in Madrid anyway. If you discriminate against an LGBTQ, LGBTQ plus someone in the workplace, you can't take them to court anymore, not in Madrid. They've ought to fight this in the highest courts of the land, but good luck with that in a majority Catholic country. There's a good possibility this may stand in Madrid. This one we're going over to Ireland. Our lives are still fractured. Northern Ireland's peace babies. Those born about the time of the Good Friday Agreement say lives still marred by trauma and political vacuum. It has come out of aljazeera.com by Tommy Green. A good piece that needs to be heard all over the UK and throughout the Irish diaspora around the world, especially in the US and Canada. Northern Ireland is going to hell in a handbasket, as my old dad used to say. The factional government can't seem to figure out a way to come together for the common good of everyone, no matter if they're nationalists or unionists. 
None of that matters when you're dirt poor and everything around you is falling apart due to neglect. And that's exactly what's going on in Northern Ireland right now. Because they can't get a coalition government together and storm on, everything is coming apart. And people are starting to go hungry and buildings are falling apart, you name it. Um, was the slow up there in the northwest is so full of algae right now they're wondering if they can even get any clean water out of it. All because the government can't figure out a way to clean it up. A bit strange, quote, hiking group in Germany reported to police as illegal migrants. Club consisting of many Syrians living in Germany has its trip interrupted as attitudes to migration seem to be hardening. This came out of TheGuardian.com by Ashifa Kassam, European Community Affairs Correspondent. So paranoia and suspicion are becoming all the rage in Europe now. Anyone who doesn't look like a local is now suspect the police are called with right-wing extremist groups making into local politics everywhere these days over migrations, it's such a shame that people have become too scared these days and blame it on the media. You know, I blame it on the media. Look at a hype up sensationalist stories for clickbait and advertising money. So basically what happened here is you had a group of Syrians living in Germany and every year they go on a New Year's hike. Well, they went down to Austria, Switzerland, Switzerland, and the locals there reported them because they didn't look like locals, and they hadn't seen them before, and of course the police got called and all that kind of stuff. When the police found out who they were and found out that they were very legal, staying at the local hotel, they laughed and, you know, let it go. But it just goes to show you, Europe is starting to become just as bad as the United States now when it comes to immigration. Now we're going to come back over here to the Americas. For many migrant families at the US, southern U.S. border, going back is not an option, by Rafael Romo on CNN. More stories about why there's such a huge amount of refugees trying to get to the U.S. For, for most, it's about safety. They're being targeted by gangs or criminals where they came from, and there's nowhere else to go. They're coming from all over with the same story, escaping kidnappings for ransoms and a lot worse things. Yet, the U.S. immigration system is so overwhelmed and broken due to partisan infighting, they're stuck in limbo with thousands more coming. And when I, when I say thousands, there's a reputed 11,000 refugees coming on a train coming through Mexico right now, headed for the southern border. You know, what's the United States going to do with all these people? Well, they're going to try and keep them out, obviously. Good luck with that. In Indonesia, fake UN accounts spewing anti-refugee hate feed rejection of Rohingya. Much of the resistance to Rohingya refugees stems from online misinformation, human rights activists say, as well as organized attacks against the UN. More than 1,500 Rohingya Muslims have arrived in Indonesia's Aceh province since mid-November. Officials say they've been overwhelmed by the influx. And this came out of the South China Morning Post by Retsi Woro Junior. Disinformation on social media is fueling Indonesia's resistance to Rohingya refugees' arrivals. This is a theme going on worldwide now as climate and war refugees said to seek a safer home everywhere. You know, they want to go anywhere that it's safe. They don't really care. But the people living in somewhere else don't want outsiders coming in to take away their livelihoods and resources. Everyone is afraid of food instability around the world going into the new year. And that's becoming a big thing right now. 
and it's around it's a thing around the world now i feel bad for the rohingyas because they've been suffering for a long time but still it's a it's a big problem now we're going to come back to the united states organized retail crime is threatening american families by gabrielle nadalis opinion contributor to the hill the story about the changing face of shoplifting used to be lone individuals or maybe a working pair, but now things have changed. Now it's organized groups of smash and grabs or large groups rushing a small store with guns showing, taking all they can as quickly as they can. They have figured out that the local police will not likely come after them anymore, regardless if they're on camera or not. This is causing widespread store closures, especially with online retail picking up at the slack. Here it talks about the loss of local grocery stores, forcing people to drive a lot farther just to get groceries into poorer areas. As the economy gets worse, so will this situation get worse. Now this one here is, is it's a military story, but it's about corruption. Senator wants Marines, U.S. Marines, to explain why wounded troops weren't told the truth. By Tom Bowman and Graham Smith, and this is from NPR.org. So this story's been in the news a couple of times. I reported on it earlier this year myself. April 12, 2004, the U.S. Marines accidentally lobbed a mortar shell on top of some of their Marines, a couple of Army soldiers, and an interp Afghan interpreter, killing... No, not, not Afghan, I'm sorry, Iraqi interpreter, killing one Marine and severely wounding several others. It turns out that the lieutenant who ordered the mortar round making, made a targeting mistake because... And because he's a senator's son, the incident was covered up all the way to the top. It took three years for some of the truth to come out. Now it's time for the rest of the story, as the late Paul Harvey used to say. And that's basically what this is talking about, is that there is a U.S. senator who's now wanting more accountability for what happened back in 2004. And he's bound to determine he's going to get it. Of course, he's a, a veteran himself um, and a protege of the late Senator McCain. So yeah, this this could uh, this could turn some stuff upside down. Job seekers say employment system forcing them into jobs with terrible hours, conditions, and pay. Workers claim they have been forced to clean up human feces, had payments cut off after death in the family, and had have had to cancel work to attend provider appointments. This come out of the Guardian.com Australia news by Kate Kelly. So another story this time from Australia. More and more stories from around the world about temporary work companies exploiting foreign workers for money. As more and more people migrate for safety and security, this will continue as long as there are people who have no morals other than money. And basically what I've talked about in the past, and I'll continue bringing these stories to light, is how these third-party employment companies around the world are taking advantage of these migrants and poor people in other countries and developing countries who are looking for work and they don't really care where they go because they're going to send their money home anyway. But these people are taking advantage and setting them up for failure and then that's it, dropping them off into nowhere. Some people are dying, they're getting raped, they're getting robbed, um, you name it. And you know, these companies that are doing all the, all the so-called you know, job work and stuff, they're running, they're running away with the money and not being held out of, not really being held accountable. So now we're going to go to South America. The, the billionaire brothers who are giving the cocks a run for their money. Wesley and Josely Batista run a business empire linked to, ramp, linked to rampant emissions, 
deforestation, worker abuses, COVID crisis, bribery, price fixing, SEC violations, and tainted meat. It's almost impressive. And this is from, from Andre Pagliarini in the New Republic. If you thought billionaire corruption was just a Western thing, you should read this. This corrupt billionaire gangsters from Brazil are out to take over as much of the worldwide food industry as they can, any way they can, and now they want to get into mining. This is a perfect example of global corporate greed with little to no oversight. They're making so much money that any fines levied are just another business expense. So what does it take to stop monsters like this? So as I said, this is a worldwide thing, okay? It's not just here in the United States. It's not happening in North America. It's happening in Europe. It's happening in, as we say, these, these guys are, these two brothers are from Brazil. So it's a, it's a worldwide thing. What does it take to stop these people? Russia wants to topple dollar dominance, but isn't even able to deliver oil to India with alternative currencies by Hulantan for the Business Insider. So as I reported last week, the world's governments want to get out from under the U.S. dollar as the world's trade money. Russia especially due to the sanctions over the invasion of Ukraine. But trading with India, for example, is, is a problem because India wants to trade in rupees, not rubles. So the cargo ships sit offshore waiting to be unloaded as two, two countries wrangle over what currency to use. This is what the U.S. has done to the world by setting up this dollar trading currency. This will come to haunt the world trade market soon as more and more countries try to de-dollarize. And this is just basically another story to expound about what I brought to you last week. Five elections set to, sh set to shape Europe in 2024, the biggest ballot year in history. And this is from Euronews by Merit Gwynne Jones. Europe is set to have several national elections in 2024 that, depending on which way they go, could set the tone for European politics for years to come. Not to mention the U.S. elections that could upset world order if a certain political party takes over next November. All of this is mostly due to migrants flooding Europe now and the United States and the right-wing parties that want to stop it all. The world as we know it could be in for some major changes if all of these very nationalized, populist, right-wing, conservative political parties take over. Now, we'll come back to the United States here from my last story. You better pray, unquote. Christian nationalist groups are mobilizing before the 2024 elections. Patriot groups, which deny Trump's 2020 defeat and are pressing for voting restrictions, are proliferating. This is from the Guardian.com World News by Alice Herman. It's not quite 2024 yet, but already stories are emerging on the front lines of media about how the U.S. and evangelical Christians want to usurp their election process to set up their own style of government and their own president. As things roll into the last run-up to November for all the wannabes, this will only get worse. Prepare, you know, I'm saying prepare for, prepare for some violence. I'm thinking that there's going to be some very small groups who are going to resort to violence to get their way with the elections. They want what they want, and they're willing to resort to it. Think QAnon people and other groups like this, Patriot Fronts and who knows what. So that's the end of my first half. Now it's time to take my break. So I'll give you a couple of minutes, listen to my little commercial, um, and I'll be back here in a couple of minutes. 
want to take this time during my break to talk to you about donating to my cause, if you can, and give a little info on how to find my website and what's inside. The show is free to subscribe to on all major podcast apps, including Substack and YouTube, with the donations tab on the Village Oak Tree webpage at rss.com and my website at crownofbeha.com on the donations page for anyone that feels generous enough to support my work. Think of it as passing the hat at the end of my visits to your village. If you like what I have to say here, please share this podcast with everyone you know as much as possible before it gets too late. My motive is not for money, but to make a difference in a world, and I can't do it without your help. For each article I present to you, there will be links to read the stories in their entirety in the follow-up newsletters posted in medium.com, substat.com, and in the blog section of my website, which is free to everyone. Now, I want to explain how to find my website, crownofbeha.com. Just type in www.crann-na-beatha.com in your browser and search for it. You may also use the link in the newsletters on median.com and substack.com or the podcast transcripts on rss.com and substack.com to find it for the first time. The name is Gaelic and may be a little hard to find unless you know what you're looking for. Then bookmark it if you wish to return again. I also have the RSS feeder enabled, so if you like my blog posts, you can be notified whenever I post something new. Search for chronobeha.com in your RSS feeder and set it up to receive the updates. Users finding the website for the first time will reach the welcome page to learn a little bit about what's inside. There you'll see a homepage link where you can learn a little more about what Chronobeha means for a little bit of Irish culture and a little more about me in general. On the menu bar at the top, there are links to a blog session where I post podcast newsletters, blog articles, stories and poems, a drop-down menu with links to both podcasts, a donations page linked to PayPal for your personal data security, an ad page for my published books, and a contact page in case someone cares to leave a message. Everything I write is available in the blog section of my website for free. If you like what you see, feel free to leave a message in the comment page anytime. I'll respond fairly quickly within reason. Enjoy the music, and I'll be back with the second half shortly.
Welcome back to the second half of the Village Oak Tree. On this day between holiday weekends, I want to reflect on where the world is re with regard to life and the world we inhabit. The world is in more turmoil now than it has been since World War II, and the primary driver is corporate-driven climate change. Global warming can no longer be denied. It can no longer be denied that the global fuel fossil fuel industry is the primary cause either. With the advent of global warming and human greed, millions of humans are migrating to cooler climates. Most would say this is wrong. They are migrating because of food insecurity and wars. I reply, but what causes all that food insecurity in the first place? People point to the bad weather. Again, I reply, what caused the bad weather? The answer is global warming caused by greedy fossil fuel corporations and the other corporate greed that needs the cheap energy provided by the fossil fuel industry. Everything humans need to survive is now nearly de all dependent on fossil fuels in one way or another, and it's killing the planet. A lot of scientists are predicting that we're in a sixth mass extinction. If humans don't change their dependency on fossil fuels soon, by the next century, life will be a lot different for all species on, species on the planet, according to the climate scientists. Humans never go away quietly, as seen on every continent around the world now. Humans are moving by the tens of thousands to cooler climates and what they think are more stable societies. Those societies are now starting to fight back harder. Migrations have always been around. Western Europe has been dealing with a larger influx of migrants from the Middle East and Eastern Europe for at least a couple of decades or more now. North America and Australia the same. You know, different from different areas. Now, North America is everything's coming up from the southern border. Australia, they're coming from Indonesia and Southwest Asia and everywhere else. They used to be welcoming until too many of them decided to take advantage of the welcome mat and overwhelmed all the welcoming nation's ability to provide for them. Now the world is seeing a high rate of conservatism rising up to combat all the migrants. Given until 2030, which is what a lot of experts are predicting, until another global war ensues to push back all the migrants. I doubt it will be on a scale of the last world war, though, but it could get pretty ugly. This time it will be the EU bloc shutting down the eastern and ocean borders. North America shutting off all migrations, period. Australia doing the same and so on, with all of the other wealthier nations telling the world, no more. We can't take care of all of you. Go back to where you came from, unquote. Meanwhile, the bodies will continue to pile up in the places they came from and at the borders where the uninformed will try to keep, continue to try and get in. The richer nations will have to enforce their closed borders with state-sanctioned violence to keep them out. Some are doing that even now. And so it will go. Britain is a small example of what's coming for other nations around the world. Sweden is awash with gang violence now after laying in too many refugees and not taking care of them. More borders are starting to close up right now, like Finland's, for example. It's been in the news the last couple of weeks. Australia is not handling the influx well right now. They don't have the resources to take care of any of these refugees or immigrants and are fighting back as we talk about this now. Canada has reached their limit, so their conservatives say, and they're starting to make some adjustments to their recent welcome map policies. They're not set up to take care of so many destitute people. Ireland start to have their reckoning with their open migration policies for the same reason. So is every other wealthier nations in the northern climates, or in the case of Australia, southern, you know, cooler southern climates. Britain is way past being nice about all the immigrants arriving by boat and plane and requesting asylum 
we're not requesting anything at all, just showing up. Violence towards all these climate refugees is just a spark away from starting. The southern Mediterranean European countries have been finished with all of this for a while now and are trying hard not to use violence, but that's starting to fail. There's still a lot of unanswered questions about some of the boats that sunk crossing from Libya in 2023. In these cases, it was more about apathy than outright violence. But when you stand your rescue boat off and watch floundering people drown, how is that not passive violence? The world will see a lot more of that in the coming year and every year after that until something changes. The other side of the coin is the people who actually do make it to the promised land. No jobs, food, or shelter. There are thousands and thousands of people living on streets worldwide now because no one has the ability to provide for them. This is in every developed country around the world. None are immune. The desperate are getting more desperate and an uptick in violence leading to death and severe disablement by desperate, violent attackers is making a lot of headlines everywhere now. The recent mass shooting in Poland, the not-so-recent shootings in Serbia and Croatia earlier this year, Australia, Britain, and Ireland have been dealing with this phenomenon quite a bit here very recently, Canada also to a lesser degree. This will continue to get worse as these disparate climate migrants go a little mental without proper food and shelter. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the United States. They're always in the world news, so I wanted to downplay them some today. As everyone with access to news feeds around the world knows, the U.S. is the largest rate of violent death of every other country in the world. Suicide rates are higher, violent crime rates are higher, and so on. Due in large part to their open policy on guns in the hands of every citizen, if they so choose, and the easy sale to anyone who can pony up with the money. Yes, they do have a criminal background check in place at every sale by a retailer, but that does not account for all of the private or illegal sales, and there's a lot of that. A high death rate in the U.S. for nearly everything is part of U.S. society. They've just accepted this as part of their culture, or at least the native-born white descendants of the Europeans have anyway. This goes back to the days of the original colonists, who brought guns as part of their necessary supplies to head off into the wilderness wilderness of North America to gain their freedom from tyranny of any kind. That attitude still prevails in U.S. society today, 300 years later. They tout it as part of their independent spirit, part of what makes the United States what it is today. That independent spirit is what's gotten them into trouble they're in now. The U.S. is the only country amongst the wealthiest nations to not have a universal health care program, and it's slowly strangling them amongst a lot of other things. Other countries are struggling to maintain their government health systems, so it's a toss-up as to which plan is better. Canada can't keep up with theirs, and is devastating them. Britain's new NHS, National Health Service, is floundering badly right now. There are so many others across the world in the same straits. Poorly funded national health care systems that are allowing people to needlessly die while waiting for life-saving medical care. In the U.S., it's the opposite, sort of. It's a pay-as-you-go system. You can't pay, you don't get quality medical care. If you can't afford health insurance and can't afford to pay out of pocket, you could die, and no one would really care other than your immediate family. An example of that is in this news article I found the week before Christmas from one of my favorite journalists for Al Jazeera. She writes a lot of stories about the South and Central American migrant crisis. She's an American citizen, barely, as she hates the United States, according to one of her articles I read earlier this year. 
She's promised not. She's promised herself to not live in the United in the United States again for at least 20 years while she travels writing stories. She does visit now and again, but with her father's passing in a poor, quite of a poor one one bedroom room in Washington D.C. last August, and she's very bitter about it. She's even more jaded about the U.S. So here's her article, and I'll post it in the newsletters. The U.S. is no country for old men. Elderly Americans struggle to survive in a country that seeks to extract profit from them till the very end. By Belen Fernandez, Al Jazeera columnist. So Belen Fernandez's parents came to the U.S. from Bolivia, another South American country that the U.S. devastated in the name of corporate profits in the late 20th century. I don't blame her attitude one bit. I have it too for my own reasons. I am also angry about being deluded by the United States propaganda machine that I grew up with and lived in until my eyes were finally opened in 2002 with a trip to Afghanistan with my Army Reserve Unit. There are more and more U.S. citizens waking up and leaving the country to live in better places around the world. Some are able to manage by getting jobs with foreign companies. Some have made themselves rich enough to retire comfortably in places with a low cost of living, Mexico being one of them. Others have relatives living abroad and have support system to help them relocate. The rest of us, we're stuck here. The U.S. government makes it very plain. They don't want you living outside the United States. Their tax policies punish people who work and live in other countries for long periods or permanently. It's used to cover over a thousand, it used to cost over a thousand dollars to give up your U.S. passport. This year they dropped the fee down to $450, but the paperwork was ridiculously hard and soul-crushing, according to some of the articles I read. What little research I've been able to manage, I think myself and my children qualify for Irish citizenship because we have proof of who our original Irish immigrants were when they came to North America and where. The trouble is, with Ireland having all the housing and economic issues going on right now, the grass is not always green on the other side despite the troubles I'm seeing here in the United States. Maybe someday things will get better over there, but until then, I'll remain where I am for the time being, part of the Irish diaspora. I read that there's plenty of land and empty houses over in Ireland. They've just been bought up by continental real estate speculators, and they raised the rent so high, most people can't afford them. Sounds like a similar situation here in the States, and a whole lot of other places around the world. If that... And that is part of what's going to start the border wars with other countries around the world. Corporations doing everything they can to make millions of money by gouging the poor and the desperate. Leaving desperate people with no hope until they reach a point that death is better than living in misery, in, in the misery they're in now. Those are the people that start wars. Africa is seeing that right now in Sudan and Darfur. Yemen and Palestine are enduring that also right now. Indonesia, Malaysia, and other small Southwest and East Asian countries are dealing with that also. All of which drives refugees to seek safer places to live while the men fight it out. There are more places with little skirmishes going on. Some I've mentioned here in this podcast and in earlier, earlier episodes. Strife between the tribes of man is as old as time. Nothing's ever going to stop that. But what we can't stop is the fomenting of war by the fat can corporations who instigate governments to wage war on their behalf for a cut of the profits. As a species, we have the collective talent to put a stop to all this greediness of these people and institute a more equitable solution to feed and house all the climate migrants. We just don't have the will to do it on such a mass scale. The solutions are out there. 
They've been published, but the draw of living a life of luxury is still too much to overcome, and humanity will continue to suffer because of this human flaw. I lived poorly a time or two in my younger days, and I'm under no illusion about how precarious life is in today's world. I think about this nearly every day as I go about my daily life. I don't go out much anymore as I see the world falling down around me. All I want to do in 2024 is keep bringing all of you the news of the world so we can finally all wake up and decide enough is enough. Maybe I won't accomplish much in my lifetime. I don't have that many years left. But I would like to at least help ignite a spark so that future generations will come together and take back the world from the greedy corporations and make life a little better for all of mankind, not just for a privileged few. So that's all I have for you today. Thank you for listening. I hope I've given you something to think about as, as you finish out your work week. Thank you for listening to the show today. I hope you enjoyed it that you'll return again for another episode of the Village Oak Tree. Feel free to share this with your friends and relations. The more you share, the more we can convince enough people to make the world a better place to live in. I hope I've achieved my goal in helping you feel like we've been sitting under the Village Oak Tree today. As a Shauna Kay, I want to continue to travel to your digital village every week to bring you something that might bring you a smile or make you think a little bit after we part for the day. As I say goodbye this week, I wish to leave you with this Irish blessing as you go about your day. May you live as long as you want, and never want as long as you live. Schlange foil, which means goodbye for now in Irish. Mm-hmm.